Stories, fables, ghostly tales. Good day, legends. For those of you who are on Patreon, you already know that today's episode won't be evil bread, but due to working late and changing my job recently, I've had some hiccups in scheduling. As a result, today's episode has let me focus on some old-time radio stories that I haven't done for a while, and I've been working on bit by bit. So enjoy your two episode mates, a Martian in mind and heart, and one way to the moon, from the vintage radio series X-1. But Evil Bread will return next week, folks. Enjoy, mates. transcribed tales of new dimensions in time and space. These are stories of the future, adventures in which you'll live in a million could-be years on a thousand maybe worlds. National Broadcasting Company, in cooperation with Street and Smith, publishers of Astounding Science Fiction, presents X minus one. Tonight, the Ray Bradbury story entitled, And the Moon Be Still as Bright. The first three expeditions for Mars left Earth in a mushroom of flame, arced through the atmosphere, and finally dwindled to tiny specks in the big eye of the Mount Palomar telescope. And then were lost to sight forever. The prearranged landing signals flashed back to Earth. And then the radios went dead. One after the other, ships had disappeared and were never heard from again. But still, the rockets came. The fourth expedition emerged from the silent gulfs of space, angled down toward the floating red disk of Mars, down into an orbit as the order came to land. The last blast of the bow jets broke red against the blue desert sand. And the ship slid to a halt at the edge of a vast city that reflected the icy glare of the moonlight. For a while, all was still. All right, Park, you. Open the airlock. Hi, sir. Fresh air. Hey, it's cold out here. Who cares? We got here. I thought I'd never hit solid ground again. Hey, how about a fire, Captain Wiley? It's freezing. Later. We have work to do. Oh, smell that air. Why, you could get drunk on it. Say, there's an idea. Why don't we break out a bottle and celebrate? Biggs, there will be no drinking done till we're secured. But we're landed, Captain. Three other expeditions landed and disappeared within 24 hours. Now, we're not relaxing security till we find out what happened to them. What do you mean? Maybe Martians? Sender, you're an archaeologist. How old would you say they are? I can't tell till I study them more closely. It's the kind of engineering we couldn't duplicate on Earth. Well, I'm not interested in the architecture now. I want to make sure there's nothing there that might be dangerous. Mr. Hathaway. Yes, sir? I want you and Spender to take a reconnaissance party into the city and find out what's there. We set up camp here. 
No man is to go more than 50 feet from this rocket. And there'll be no celebration till Hathaway and his party report back. In the sea bottom, the wind stirred along faint vapors. And from the mountains, great stone visages looked upon the silvery rocket and the small fire. The sky was black overhead as the two racing moons threw knife-edged double shadows on the desert. All right, come and get it. Ciao. Hey, what do you got these, Jackie? Sawdust, smothered in cold chicken fat. Good, I thought it was something I couldn't eat. <laughs> hey, Captain, Mr. Hathaway's back. Oh, Captain, Captain Wilder. Oh, yes, over here, Mr. Hathaway. Well... Most of the city's dead. Spender says it's been dead a good many thousand years, but we found one part about a mile over... What about it? People were living in it last week, sir. People? Martians. Where are they now? Dead. We found bodies, thousands of bodies. They hadn't been dead more than ten days. What did they die of? You won't believe it. What killed them? Chicken pox. Chicken pox? Yes. Where could they get chicken pox? From Earth. Oh, then the other rockets did get through. Yes. I don't know what the Martians did to them, but I sure know what they did to the Martians. They gave them chicken pox and wiped them out. They just didn't have any resistance to an earth disease. Think of it, Captain. A race builds itself for a million years, refines itself, does everything it can to give itself respect and beauty, and then it dies. Of what? It's like saying the Greeks died of mumps or the proud Roman Empire collapsed because of athletes' foot. We didn't even give them a decent excuse for dying. We just gave them chicken pox. Stand there. Get hold of yourself. You didn't see those bodies, Captain. Yes, I know. It must have been a shock. Uh, you need a rest. A little relaxation. The Martians are dead. There's nothing you can do about that now. Hey, you hear that? The Martians are all dead. Come on. Let's break out a bottle and hold it up. How about a case, hey? Oh, good Lord. They have to do that now. Isn't there time later to throw old beer cans into the canals? And uh, you're an idealist. They're not. All they know now is that they're safe. A little shouting won't hurt. You think too much. How safe on Mars! The first Earthmen on Mars! We gotta celebrate! <laughs> Twenty bottles were opened and drunk. The voices got louder, the earth laughs and shouts echoing across the empty Martian sands. Spender listened to the wind over his ears, cool and whispering. He felt the land getting cooler. The stars drew closer, very near. The air smelled clean and new. He looked at the cool ice of the white Martian buildings over there on the empty sea lands. <laughs> Hey, what do we do with these empty bottles? Save them, stupid. There's a two cents deposit. Ah! <laughs> Throw them away. Hey, wait. Wait. How about that building? Two to one on the buck. I can heave one right through that window. You're right. All right, here goes. Hey! Oh, God. Hey, double or nothing on the next shot. Put that bottle down, Biggs. Who's there, Mr. Spender? Stop smashing those windows. Oh, it's a difference. The planet's ours now. I guess I can do anything with it I want. Drop that bottle or I'll knock your teeth out. Yeah? And just watch me. 
I warned you. Big. I hit him. He's crazy, Captain. I just walked on a slug man. All right, then. Stanley, you come with me. Now, suppose you explain. What was the idea? The noise, the drunken brawl. And the men are tired. This has been a long trip. And you have a different way of seeing things. No, I'm seeing things all right. I'm seeing how we'll ruin Mars. We'll rip it up and rip the skin off the way we've already ruined Earth. And is that why you hit Big Jess? I couldn't stand the idea of them watching us make fools of ourselves. Them? The Martians. They're dead. They're all dead. But they know we're here. Doesn't an old thing always know when a new thing comes? We've come a long way to smash their windows and spit in their wine. Well, maybe you're right. But I'm still going to fine you $50 for that fight. Now, come on, Spender. Suck in your chin. We'll go back there and play happy. Now they moved out into the moonlight across the desert. They made their way into the dreaming, dead city. The light of the racing twin moons glinted on the barrel of a pistol, the long blade of a machete, the round, gurgling shape of a raised bottle. The wind blew in from the dead sea bottom and brushed through the silvery wire filigree of the towers. Strange music drifted down to the double-shadowed streets, a thin, haunted music that played as it had played through the uncounted years of time. Nobody moved. The moons held and frozen. The wind beat slowly around them. Pigs, I just want to make a little noise. What kind of a celebration is this, anyway? Come on. They built this city thousands of years ago. And now where are they? How did they die? Who cares? It's dead. That's good enough for me. Lord Byron. What? Lord Byron, a 19th century poet. He wrote a poem that fits this city. Might have been written by the last Martian poet. So we'll go no more a-roving so late into the night. Though the heart be still as loving, though the moon be still as bright. For the sword outwears its sheath, and the soul outwears its breast. And the heart must pause to breathe, and love itself must rest. Though the night was made for loving, and the day returns too soon. Yet we'll go no more a-roving by the light of the moon. Without a word, the earthmen stood in the center of the city. It was a clear night. There was not a sound except the music of the wind. At their feet lay a tile court, worked into the shapes of ancient animals and images. They stood there, silvered by the double moons beneath the crystal towers of Mars. And then Biggs was sick, and the sour stench of liquor filled the cool air. The men of Earth had come to Mars. And Spender turned and walked away into the city, alone in the moonlight, never once stopping to look back. It was a morning that might have been a Monday or a Tuesday, 
or any day on Mars. Biggs was on the canal rim, his feet hung down in the cool water, soaking, while he took the sun in his face. Hey, what are you doing back here, Biggs? Didn't you go out with the search party? Yeah. I come back. I had a blister. Oh, yeah. Here. What do you mean? Look. Look, Chuck, you see that? Uh, anyway, I had enough searching. Four days hunting for that screwball spender. Didn't find him yet, huh? Oh, uh, good riddance. Oh, my feet. I'm going to soak them in the canal. Uh, if I was wilder, I wouldn't worry about that nut spender. Let him go. He's a crackpot anyway. Well, he's a little foggy upstairs, I guess. Hey, why don't you take your feet out of that canal, Biggs? I got to make coffee out of that water. Coffee? You call that stuff coffee? I had a motorcycle once that dripped grease that tasted better than... Hey, wait a minute, Biggs. Hey, hey, look over there. Where? By that bush. There's someone there. Hey, it's him. Hey. Hey, Spender. Spender. He's coming over. Why don't he stay lost, crazy jerk? Hi, Spender. Long time no see. Hello, Cherokee. I've been exploring some ruins. Oh, you and them ruins. You're like a dog in a boneyard. What's the matter? Well, just say something. Where you been? Up in the hills. What would you say if I told you I found a Martian? Oh, yeah? Where? Never mind. Let me ask you a question. How would you feel if you were a Martian and people came to your land and started to tear it up? I know how I feel. I've, I've got Cherokee blood in me. My grandfather told me a lot of things about the way they kicked the Indians around in the Oklahoma Territory. If there's any Martian around, I'm all for him. How about you, Biggs? They're dead. They're all dead. It's a good thing, too. Well, I found a Martian up in a dead town in the hills. I've been reading their books, and they're easy to understand. And I've learned their language. And then I found this Martian. And I brought him here, now. I don't see no Martian. I'm the last Martian... What did you say? Biggs, I'm going to kill you. Oh, cut it out. What kind of a lousy joke is that? Now, don't, don't put that gun away. <laughs> you're kidding, huh? Now, Spender, you're... He's dead. You killed him. You can come with me, Cherokee. You're an Indian. You know how the Martians would feel. You can be with me in this. You killed him. You just... You just killed him. He deserved it. You're crazy. Maybe I am. But you can come with me. Come with you? For what? Go on, get out of here, you crazy murderer. Of all of them, I thought you'd understand. I thought you'd remember what happened to your own people. You get out of here, you crazy murdering. Don't reach for the gun. Spender. Spender. Hathaway, break out the arms locker. Issue pistols, rifles, and grenades. Yes, sir. And you'd better get the Bible out of the navigation chest. We bury these two. The part where you start digging a grave, hmm? How about Spender? We'll have to go up in the hills and find him. Just let me at him with my bare hands, a crazy murdering louse. That's enough, The man is sick. He must be. Sick my eye. He's a... enough. Now grab a shovel and start digging. <laughs> Spender saw the thin dust rising in the valley, and he knew the pursuit was beginning. 
The sun burned farther up the sky, and the blue sand drifted lazily across the sea bottom below. He sat beside a quiet pool ten thousand years old and held a silver book. Through the house played the strange wind music of ancient Mars. And he heard voices whisper in his mind. <laughs> I hear you. I've always heard you. Even down there on Earth. Run, 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 run. No, I won't run. What's the use? Live, 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 what for? To see them tear down your temples and put up hot dog stands? Run, 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 run. They've seen me now. They know I'm up here. There's Wilder now. I've got him right in my sights. Kill, 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 kill. It's funny, he hasn't ordered them to use grenades. They could lob one right up here and blow me to bits. And maybe the captain thinks I'm too nice to be blown to bits. He wants my death to be clean. Just one bullet hole in me, nothing messy. And why? Because he understands me. The only one in the crew who ever did. Well, at least I can do the same for him. Just one bullet in his head, a nice clean death. All I have to do is pull the trigger and then... It's no use. I can't do it to him. Spender! Spender! Can you hear me, Spender? I hear you, Captain. What do you want? Talk! Truth! All right. Come on up. Leave your gun down there. Keep your hands up. Uh, that's quite a climb. You would mind if I sit down? Hmm. How long do you think you can hold out? Until you're all dead. So why didn't you kill all of us this morning when you had the chance? You could have. I know. I got sick. I started killing people, I realized they were just fools and I shouldn't be killing them, but it was too late. So I came up here where I could get angry again. Why did you do it? When I was a kid, my folks took me to visit Mexico City. I'll always remember the way my father acted loud and big. And my mother didn't like the people because she thought they didn't wash enough. I can, I can see my mother and my father coming to Mars and acting the same way. Anything that's strange is no good to us. We aren't fit to take over this planet but to kill two men. How would you feel if a Martian spit on the White House floor? You know, you haven't acted very civilized yourself. Today. I'll kill you all off, Wilder. That'll delay the next rocket five years, and then I'll kill them too. And if I'm lucky, I'll live to be 60. And I'll meet every expedition that lands on Mars. Oh, I'll be very friendly. I'll explain our rocket blew up one day. And then I'll kill them off. I'll save Mars for half a century. And by then, maybe the Earth people will give up. And yet you're outnumbered. We already have you surrounded. In an hour, you'll be dead. I found an underground passage that'll take me back in the hills, Wilder. I'll go back there. And then I'll pick you off one by one. We'll see. Well, it's a nice town you've got here, Spender. It's beautiful. I'd like to live here. You can. Join me. 
You're not like them. Why go back to them, Captain? I'll, I'll show you what a good life these people had. I'll... No. No, there's too much earth blood in me. I may even agree with you about all this, but that does not change what I must do. You won't stay? No. This is your last chance, Bender. Look, you're sick. Now, come along with me, quietly. No. One, one last thing. If you win, do me a favor. Try to see that they don't tear this planet apart. Right. And if it helps, just think of me as a very crazy fellow who went berserk one summer day. Be easier on your way. Now I'll think that over. So long, Spender. Bye, Captain. The men spread out again, walking and then running on the hot hillside places where there would be sudden cool grottos that smelled of moss and sudden open blasting places that smelled of sun or stone. The men ran and ducked and ran and squatted in the shadows. I'll blow his brain! Captain Wilder hugged the rock warm by the sun. He gasped, for the air was thin and not meant for running. Spender lay at the top of the hill and a gap in the rocks showed the white of his shirt against the shadows. Wilder looked at the towers of a little clean Martian village, like sharply carved chess pieces lying in the afternoon. He saw the rocks, and the interval between where Spender's chest was revealed. Go on, Spender, get out. You've only got a few seconds to escape. Go on, get out of the caves. Come back later. You go now. I've got to win this. I've got to think that I'm right. Pull this trigger. Go now. Get out. I'll get him. A slug in the head. I'll blow his bloody brain. No, Puck Hill. Put down that gun. I'll do this myself. I'll spend it. Why didn't you get out? Why? 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 They buried him in an ancient valley town where the music of the wind played on through the days and the nights. They laid him in an ancient silver sarcophagus with waxes and wines which were 10,000 years old, his hands folded on his chest. The last they saw of him was his peaceful face in the cold silver light of the racing twin moons. The captain found the poem in Spender's pocket, and he read it before he shut the marble door. So we'll go no more a-roving so late into the night. Though the heart be still as loving, and the moon be still as bright. Though the night was made for loving, and the day returns too soon, yet we'll go no more roving by the light of the moon. The next afternoon, Parkhill did some target practice in one of the dead cities, shooting out the crystal windows and blowing the tops off the fragile towers. Captain Wilder caught Parkhill and 
nearly knocked his teeth out. From the far horizons of the unknown come transcribed tales of new dimensions in time and space. These are stories of the future, adventures in which you'll live in a million could-be years on a thousand maybe worlds. The National Broadcasting Company, in cooperation with Street and Smith, publishers of astounding science fiction, presents... X minus one... Tonight's story, Requiem by Robert Heinlein. On a high hill in Samoa, there is a grave. Inscribed on the marker are these words. Under the wide and starry sky, dig my grave and let me lie. Gladly did I live and gladly die, and I lay me down with a will. This be the verse you grave for me. Here he lies where he longed to be. Home is the sailor, home from the sea, and the hunter, home from the hill. These lines appear another place, scrawled on a shipping tag from a compressed air container and pinned to the ground with a knife. It wasn't much of a fair as fairs go. The trotting races wouldn't be held till 8 o'clock at night. The flags and bunting drooped in the gray afternoon, and the pitchmen seemed discouraged. A large black limousine stood at the side of the road, 32 cylinders purring quietly. And over the dust and the clatter of the fair, a bullhorn blasted the highest pitch. Hurry, 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 this way to the moon rocket, the moon rocket. See it fly, the actual type rocket used by the first man to see it fly. Chills, thrills, the romance of space. You can ride in it for only $25. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Hey, Charlie, have you got the feed too patched? I welded it. Good for maybe an hour. Oh, what a crowd. They wouldn't risk a nickel to see the sun blow up. Oh, Captain, uh, excuse me, Captain. Yeah? Uh, oh, yes, sir. Fifty uh, cents to inspect the rocket. One. Could you take a passenger this trip? You mean you want to go up? Twenty-five bucks. That's right. Yes, sir, right away. Uh, Charlie, take the pitch. Step this way, sir. Look out for the feed lines. Oh, yes, I see them. Hey, Doc. Passenger for a checkup. Okay, Mac. Well, uh, is this necessary? Regulations. Uh, take off your coat, uh, open your shirt, uh, roll up your right plate. All right. And how are things, Mac? Slow. We're not drawing as much as the cooch tent. That'll pick up tonight with the trotters. I'm ready, Doctor. All right, give me your arm. Mm. All right, breathe in. Breathe. Breathe. Uh uh-uh. uh. Sorry, Mac. No go, Doc. Cardiac condition, I couldn't certify. I'm sorry. You mean you won't take me up? He's the doctor. Well, I rather expected it. Sorry. Between you and me, we could have used the 25. Uh, excuse me, Captain. Yeah? Could you and your engineer have dinner with me after your flight? Dinner? At my home. My car's over there. That's your car? 
The limousine? That's right. You serious, Mac? You want Charlie and me for dinner? Of course. Okay. Okay. Don't see why not? Thanks. Charlie, you had enough. Lay off, Mac. Oh, that's perfectly all right, Captain McIntyre. Uh, cigar? Thanks. Light? Mm. Yeah, thanks. Yes, it's uh, hard for me to see why any holder of a master's ticket would quit the Earth Moon run. Uh, I didn't like it. Yeah, yeah, don't hand us that. It was rude G washed you. All up. right, all right, so I took a few drinks. Uh, tell me, uh, gentlemen, uh, are you satisfied with what you're doing now? Are you kidding? We've been pushing the old junk heap for a year. Half the time, the sheriff has an attachment on the ship for a fuel bill. It stinks. Would it help you to get back to the moon? Yeah, sure. I could get a short haul job hopping over. If I kept my nose clean, I might even get back on the run. Would you be open to a business proposition? Hmm? What is it? You own your own rocket? Barring a couple of liens against it. Mm, I want to charter her. To take me to the moon. You hear what he said, Mac? He wants us to fly that old heap to the moon. <laughs> he can't do it. The old boat's worn out. Why don't you charter a regular company ship? Oh, no, no. I can't do that. Uh, the company charter comes up before a congressional committee this year. Uh, they have to follow the regular... Uh, you can't pass the physical. Now, if you can afford to hire us, why don't you bribe a couple of company medics? Been done before. No, uh, I know. <laughs> but not for me. I'm D.D. Harriman. Yeah. You own the company. Hey, what are you giving us? I own a large percentage of the company, but the other directors won't permit me to jeopardize the franchise. You tie that, Mac. A guy with half the money in the world, and he's up a creek. <laughs> Shut up, Charlie. Why do you want to go to the moon so bad, Mr. Harriman? Well, it's the one thing I've really wanted to do all my life. I may be 50 years older than you. When I was a kid, nobody believed that we'd really reached the moon. You've seen rockets all your life. When I was a boy, they laughed at the idea, but I believed. I wanted the moon then. I used to stand in the backyard and stare at it. How far away is it, Mom? The moon? Far enough. Why don't people fly to the moon? They can. Why not? They just can. But not now, anyway. Someday I will. What? Fly to the moon. <laughs> sure, sure. Now, come on, Del. Inside. Way past the bedtime. There wasn't enough money for college, so I worked. Stock boy at the old Ford plant in Detroit. Accountant, credit manager for a mail-order house. Then New York and Wall Street. And then transportation. The monorail line between New York and Chicago. The Atlantic pressure tunnel. And then Harriman Rocket. Dell? Dell, I want to talk to you. I'm working, Charlotte. You talk to me now, Dell, or you may not get another chance. What is it? Fred Lott was in. You've sold out again. I run the business, Charlotte. Well, I'm fed up with it. Up to here. I married you because I love you. I still love you, but I'm fed up. Now, what is it, Charlotte? We're not young anymore. 
Fred tells me you bought into a bankrupt engineering firm. Sunk every nickel in it. Well, they only Schwarzmiller fuel injector patents. I need them. How many times do we have to start over? I'm tired. I'm not asking for millions. Just a little life for the two of us. I didn't know about the divorce for a month. I lost the papers under a stack of blueprints and stock prospectus. That night I walked through the park watching the full moon move across the sky. My old friend. I could recognize the wrinkles. Missium, Mare fecundatus, Mare twinculatus, the lunar apennine. It took two fraudulent bankruptcies and an investigation by the Securities and Exchange Commission before we did it. The moon. There were three injunctions on the rocket before it blasted off. I was going on the second trip, but my considerate board served a court order on me. You can't go there, Fred. I'll break you if it's the last thing I do. Well, you've got a bad heart. That's no secret. If you die out there, the whole card house comes down. Now, we've got an equity in this corporation. We're going to see it protected. You've sucked us in on this wild scheme, and now that it paid off, you're going to sit right down here on Earth and see that the dividends come out on time. You're not going to the moon, Dell. Forget it. I never went. By the time my lawyers shook off the restraining orders, the first cargo rocket had crashed in the Pacific and Congress rushed through the Space Precautionary Act. My heart kept earthbound, and now I'm old. I've lived longer than I should, but I would not let myself die. I will not until I have set foot on the moon. There, Captain McIntyre, you asked why I wanted to go to the moon, hmm? Well? You find the ship, Mr. Harriman, and I'll drive her. You'll hit the moon. All right, then we can get down to business. I'll have contracts drawn up for you. Uh, you two will have to buy me a ship. I can't do it openly, of course. My dear board of directors would find out and slap a court order on me. Well, we can't get credit. Oh, don't worry. I'll supply the cash in advance. Pick some ship that can be fitted for the jump. A strato yacht. Hmm? Apply for a strato license. Then after it's issued, you move to a piece of, of, of desert. I'll find a strip and buy it. Hmm? You mean fit her out there? Yes, yes. We'll install extra fuel tanks, change the injectors and timers for space flight. Hmm? Charlie. You think you can manage the changeover without a dockyard and shops? Well, I'll have to have a load of power tools and a lot of time. It'll be haywired and spot welded. Just so it doesn't blow up when I slap the key. It won't blow. Well, that's what you said about the last ship. Now, huh? cut it out, will you? I ask you, Mr. Herman, that last ship was a junk heap and we knew it. Now, this one, this will be different. We're going to spend some dough and do it right. Ain't we, Mr. Herman? You spend all the money you want. I'll see that you get it. Uh, 
432 shares of Apex holding at 60% of power. Check. Uh, 52 preferred of Spaceways Fuel, 50% of power. Check. Uh, that's the list. Oh, Mr. Harriman, uh, there's a process server outside. Yeah? What is it? Mm, I don't know, sir, but I think it's a subpoena. Oh, I was expecting that. Ashley, get Mr. Caymans on the phone. I think it's time for my lawyer. <laughs> May it please your honor, counsel representing Mr. Harriman's relatives contend that his behavior for the past few weeks gives clear indication that a mind brilliant in the world of finance has become senile. They petition you to declare him incompetent and to assign a conservator to protect his financial interests and those of his heirs. May I suggest that in the last few words my opponent gave away his entire thesis. It is evident that the petitioners believe that my client should conduct his affairs in such a way as to ensure that his nephews, nieces, and their issue will be supported in unearned luxury for the rest of their lives. Therefore, we pray this court will confirm my client in his right to do what he likes with his own. Deny this petition and send these meddlers about their business. Well, Caymans, uh, hmm? It could go either way. He might rule against me? He might. We'll know tomorrow. Eccentric millionaire disappears. Uh, you're eccentric, Mr. Harriman. Well, they used to call me crazy, but that depends on your credit rating. A bench warrant under contempt proceedings has been issued. They won't find me out here. <laughs> How is the work going, Charlie? My hand's in pretty good shape. Well, are you ready to go? My nephews will have detectives out looking for me. Well, I could run those calibration tests tonight. Take till midnight. After that, it's up to the Commodore here. There. There she is, Mr. Harriman. That's the job that'll take you to the moon. It's a good ship. Isn't it? Uh, uh, hey, uh, stop the car. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> All right. Oh. He's out. Look at him. What is matter? Uh, Vest pocket. Here. Break the glass. Hold her on his nose. He looks lousy. Yeah. Yeah. There. He's breathing easy. Come around soon. Mac, we ain't going through with this. Why not? It's murder. He'll never stand up under the initial acceleration. Maybe not, but that's what he wants to do. You heard him. I don't like it. He's an okay old buzzard. What do you want to do with him? Send him back to Kansas City so his no-good nephews can shut him up in the cellar? No, but... Okay, then. Now get out there and make your setup for those test runs. Get that ship ready to fly. You, me. How many other people are there out in this desert? What can I do for you? You, James McIntyre. Hey, Mac. What's the matter, Charlie? You, McIntyre. Oh. Yeah. I'm the deputy federal marshal in this district. I got a warrant for your arrest. What charge? Conspiracy to violate the Space Precautionary Act. 
I suppose you're Charles Schwartz. I got one for you, too. Thanks. And a man named Harriman. Got a court order to put seals on your spaceship. We haven't got any spaceship. What's that, a kitty car? Strato yacht. Yeah? Well, I'll put seals in it until a spaceship shows up. Where's Harriman? In the shed. What shed? <laughs> oh, my knuckle. That's the one I broke playing football. I'm always hurting that finger. We gotta hurry. Get Papa to the cabin and strap him into his hammock. Right. So long, deputy. Oh, my knuckle. She's warm, Charlie. Everything set back there? How do I know? I didn't have time to run tests. Tough. You all right, Mr. Harriman? Mm, I think so, but these straps are tight. Have to be when we blast off. All set, Charlie. Give me control. Check. Test keys. One bank. Check. Two bank. There's an auxiliary out. We don't need it. All right, boy, hang on. Let's go. How are you, Pop? I'm doing fine. Couldn't be better. You better stay in your hammock. I'll loosen the straps a little. What is it? Nothing. Just go easy on that side. You ain't fooling me none, Pop. We got a couple of busted ribs. There isn't much I can do till we till we ground. We take a neobaritol and I'll wake you when we cut jets. No, no. No, I, I, I'll stay away. Okay, just as you say, Pop. It's on automatic, Charlie. How are the tubes holding up? Fine, tight as a drum. Your handle's nice. How's Pop? Alive. He's in bad shape. How bad? Cracked a couple of ribs in the takeoff. I don't know what else. You think he'll last the trip? His heart was pounding like an off-time valve. Well, he'll last. He's tough. Tough? He's delicate as a canary. I don't mean that. He's tough down inside where it counts. Just the same, you better set her down awful easy if you want him alive. I'll make a full swing around the moon and ease her in in an involute approach curve. It'll go fine if we got enough fuel. Hey, somebody call me. Nothing wrong, Pop? Uh, oh, thought somebody was calling me. Must have been asleep. I swung your hammock around. We're breaking now. There she is ahead. The moon. Seen a thousand photographs. There. That's Copernicus. Tycho. Well, you know it all right, Pop. Where are you landing? Mari Embrium between Aristillus and Archimedes. Oh, it's about 40 miles from Lunar City, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, it won't be easy landing without ground approach radar, will it? I've done it before. Not without a second pilot to punch the satimeter. <laughs> you ought to have a mate's ticket, Pop. You know the whole routine. You must have really studied up. Yes, that's all I could do, study, until now. Oh, look at the moon. I feel as if I'm coming home. Yeah. Charlie. Yo. I'm taking her in. Cut in full power. Make it good, Mac. Pop can't take a rough one. Shut up and give me the power. I'll do my best. Okay. Vatimeter setting punch. Hang on, here we go. Uh, 
That was a lousy landing, Mac. That'd have made a drift. How's our passenger? Quiet. Now, look. I wouldn't make any bets. That landing stunk. Well, you shut up. I did my best. Hey, Pop. He's alive. There's blood in his mouth. He's trying to say something. Take it easy, Pop. We're down. Oh, where? Take it easy. Vacuum suits. Where are they? Steady, Pop. You can't go out there yet. We've got to give you some first aid. Give me that suit. What do you think, Mac? Might as well. Get the suit out of the locker. Yeah, we'll use the big one. Be more comfortable. Okay. Hurry. Okay, yeah. Pop. Easy now. Hurry, hurry. All right, pull it up. Oh. 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 Seal these zippers, Charlie. Uh, take it easy. All right. Now, the helmet. Air diaphragm set? Check. Air valve? Uh, set. Lift it on him. Don't hit him. Uh. All right. Come on, Charlie. Get into your suit and we'll carry him out the back. with him. Okay. Okay. You all right, Pop? Outside. Take me outside. His left leg is gone. Get your shoulder on right. Right. Open the lock. All right, Pop. Come on. We're going out on the moon. The moon. All right. I'm going to leave you out here to look around while we get ready for the hike to town. You all right? The moon. We have to break out air bottles and rig a stretcher. It's 40 miles into the dome. Charlie, drop something behind his head. Okay. You comfortable, Pop? We'll be back soon. I can feel the pumice dust, and it doesn't hurt anymore. Why, there's the earth overhead, the earth in the sky, and green-blue. I'm on the moon. I'm on the moon. Del? Del? Charlotte? <laughs> I thought I heard somebody call my name. Yeah, I'm getting old. My mind wanders. Del? Del? Charlotte. That is you, isn't it? I made it, Charlotte. I'm on the moon. You didn't understand. You were afraid I wouldn't take care of myself. But I made it. I'm on the moon. I'm on the moon. Come on, Charlie. We better get Pop going. Here, give me a hand getting him on the stretcher. Never mind the stretcher, Mac. What's the matter? He won't need it. He's dead. Oh. Better get out the pumice skis and the air bottles. It's a long walk to town. Yeah. What about him? Looks as if he's resting, doesn't he? Propped up looking out on the pumice. Well, he hit the moon. Come on. Let's start walking. Well, legends, what do you think of both your X-1 stories? The first one with the Martian returning to his homeland and his psyche being fractured once he learns more about his people. 
the commentary on Native Americans and the violence that ensued from the man's revelation, The Last Martian. Not going to lie, I had a laughing fit when he kept saying chicken pox in a hysterical voice. And the last story about the one-way trip to the moon, the millionaire that made his last trip into space and into a new life, so it seems, his spiritual journey into the afterlife. A sad story, but even worse for the two coming back from that trip to the moon. Who knows what they'll face when they return? Oof. Mate, a huge thank you to you, lovely listeners. And of course, my majestic Patreons. Firstly, my Ode Night Tea Titan and pal, Matto Star. Studio, thanks to you, I am able to cover significant costs of this podcast, one of which is the number of renewals of domains and websites. Plus, I'm able to potentially work on some more chat GPT and mid-journey content over this coming weekend. Thank you, you legend, for your top-tier support, never-ending awesomeness, and brilliant friendship. These episodes related to old-time radio editing are really only made possible with your kind of support. The software allows me to really edit efficiently and cleanly, and your support means that lovelies that listen to this podcast get the best audio possible. Mate, I hope your break goes fantastically, Matto. Cheers, you special person, you. And my white tea warlord, Leza of Space, swirling into my life and supporting this podcast with pure cosmic energy. Cheers, you spectacular person, you. Thanks to your support, I've been able to buy plugins and add-ons and finding out ways to really put some oomph into my recordings. I might be exploring some ideas around voice modifiers for the Evil Bridge series, so we'll see how we go. Mate, Leza, thanks for being a legend of crustacular proportions. Cheers, man. Also, I want to thank my Grain forces and Patreon supporters I'm lucky to have. Chad Warren, Just Heather, Sunshine Days, Deuce Box Andy, Peter Raffaele, Michelangelo Yacone, Divided by Zero, Leah Fassig, Alia Arcane, Paige Kramer, and Jane Gumnick. And thank you all, you epically kind people, for supporting the show. You can visit my Patreon, which is www.patreon.com forward slash SFGT, as simple as that. Lastly, don't forget to leave a review if you have a couple of seconds spare on iTunes or anywhere where you're listening to the podcast, because as always, it helps the show grow. Thank you, you legends. Now, pour your tea. Make it nice. Ensure your flavoring is precise. Like a story, let it flow. Let the fables and tales take you home. It's these stories that bring us together and all the audio that reminds us of how we've changed. Stay a while. Have a listen. And as always, I hope to see you again. Cheers, mates, and have a wonderful week ahead of you. Catch you next Monday for some more evil bread.